Welcome to Mandarin Baptist Church, where we are the generations declaring the redemptive story of God on Everyday Mission. Thank you so much for setting aside time to join us as we open Scripture together. Whether this is your first time joining us or if you listen in weekly, we want you to know that we are so thankful you are here. We believe God has something for each of us today. We know God is always working and speaking, and our prayer is that this message will minister to your heart as much as it has with us. Before we get started, there are a couple things for you to know. First of all, we would love to connect with you on a deeper level and even help you take your next step of faith, whatever that might be. A great first step is joining us on campus for one of our worship gatherings on Sundays at 8.30 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. We would also love to help you get connected to one of our small groups. Regardless of what life stage we are in, we strongly believe that we were not created to go through this life alone. We need people to come alongside of us and to help point each other toward Christ and encourage a deeper pursuit of God in our lives. For more information or questions you might have, please check us out online at mandarinbaptist.org. On our website, you will find groups for every age, as well as dates for events like Discover Mandarin, which is a great way to learn a little bit more about who we are, different ministries we are involved in, and local and global missions partners. You can like, follow, and join a live stream of our Sunday services at facebook.com slash Mandarin Baptist Church. So now, as we dive into scripture today and we hear the truths of God, we pray our lives are shaped by what His Spirit will speak to us. We hope His words will be written upon our hearts and we will move toward Christ as we check out this week's message. So it's so um, amazing and sacred to be with the church today. I think, I think as the worship team or praise team or the amazing group of people just start to walk off, I, I love the lyric, Garrett, that was something on the lines of when we kind of walk through the valley of death and we walk through the difficulty and sorrows. And I, I think some things that are just sacred that you don't necessarily get in on unless I tell you is um, it's quite beautiful to sing that lyric. It's a whole other thing to gather around Mitch and his wife, Brenda, and I watched this team just kind of circle and pray as Brenda is quite literally uh, in the last breaths and last moments with her mom. And so it's, it's one thing as a praise team to kind of sing a song over you. It's a whole other thing to just speak Jesus and his utter capacity to depend upon in the middle of sorrow and challenge and saying goodbye to an amazing lady named Gwen Pollock, who many, if not most of us, know and love. And so it's a sacred day. I, I, have, I have an incredible treat, and I'll do it without crying, because I, if I start getting into the depths of the stories, but it's, it's so amazing when you see people that you have like done life with for, oh gosh, I'm going to talk about how old I am now, for 31 years, and they kind of walk into the atrium and say, hello, how's it going? 
And so um, I have good friends here, um, Joe and Theresa Gordon. I'm so happy of you to meet them. So you can wave at them. You should talk to these guys afterwards. Um, two stories. They're right here on the fourth row. And so um, one of this, I mean, this doing life together and depending on the Lord and depending on each other is so um, ridiculously beautiful. So uh, I, I love Joe. I love Theresa. And so a thousand stories I could tell. But I was sitting in the row just thinking about my journey with Christ and some painful and difficult moments and thanking God for them, which I do all, all the time. But particularly one season, Joe, you may or may not remember this, but just me and the floor. Whew. Forgive me, I'll cry over this. At my home and your hands on my back, just praying over me. So when you walk in the room, there's a lot of good history and a lot of good laughter and joy. But there is just some amazing, I long to be that person that when I bump into someone I haven't seen in 20 years, they just go, you remember that time when we just, with the hands of Christ, laid them on your back and prayed over you? And I'm like, the, the kingdom of Christ is beautiful and his people are amazing. And I would love to teach on this today, but I think I'm living it as I walked in the atrium of what it means to foster and create a place of belonging and home for people in this culture who are desperately needing that. And longing for that. So Cam, I have told you on so many occasions, and I think even Matt, when you first started in youth ministry, so many, because you knew all these people, so many occasions of this small quorum of women who were incredible wisdom for me. And um, they made life happen. And I became the student minister I did, not because I had anything together, but they did. And so meet Theresa after service, and I want you to meet one of these faces that I've talked about so many times, because um, Theresa came alongside this really passionate 20-something kid and said, I think you could help, um, you, and I think you could use it a lot, and I'm going to be one of those. And so you just took the lighthouse and ran with it, and hundreds and hundreds of kids met Jesus, and um, Theresa was the backbone, along with about three other good friends. So this has been a good day. And I want to talk about maybe biblically this day out of 1 Corinthians where we've been. And um, I want to publicly ask forgiveness um, of Garrett just in front of the church because I really sat in some situations throughout this week. And first of all, on Thursday morning, I sat with the JBA, which is now the First Coast Churches, and a couple hundred pastors. I mean, God is doing some neat things here. And it's beautiful. God is doing some amazing things across our city. And one of the greatest gifts we have in this city is that we have a network of churches, about 220 or so, that truly love each other and are cheering each other on, that are speaking so many different languages and, and different people groups represented when we step into the room. And I just sat in that room and we talked for about three hours for the first, it's not the first gathering, but it's the first significant when we kind of all showed up again. And Jesus just spoke to our souls as we spent about three hours on replenishment of our soul. And, and what does it look like to make our way through that? And then I ventured off the next day with our staff team and we sat and talked about what is a deep heart subject for me. How do we come alongside families and how do we really serve them? And so, Garrett, I apologize now. Because coming out of that, I pulled out my notes and started preparing my message for today. And on Saturday, I, let me re-say that. 
It's done. So I sit down Saturday, just kind of read and study, and I toss everything. And so I send Garrett an hour and a half's worth of work to do on my behalf just for that. So can you just like wave at him and say, we love you. You're so kind and you're so amazing. So <laughs> thank you for doing pastor's work. <laughs> so um, I just want to begin. And if you have scripture with you, which I'm very confident you do, um, just turn to 1 Corinthians 10. And I'm going to land there, but I kind of want to go in a different direction. I kind of said at the end of the first service, like, I come from a therapy background. So I'm, I tend to ask, what's the issue behind the issue? And so as I started just where God had me replenish and sitting in the midst of people who are just talking about family, there's a lot of thoughts that I started to churn. And, and I really want to begin with a statement and a scripture um, so the scripture, if you would like to be there, is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. The statement would be this. We should live every part of our lives as if we're at home in Christ. I know it's not profound, but that's Paul's prayer for the church at Corinth and his prayer for us. So we should live every part of our life as if we're at home in Christ. And maybe more importantly, he's at home in us. He feels very peaceful in our soul and he's moving about among us as the body of Christ. And so the scripture just speaks immediately to that. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Because here's what we're about. We want to live every part of our life as if we're at home in Christ. And I heard this said this weekend, so I'll just steal it. Um, that word in Greek, that word everything in Greek, it breaks down to Everything. Lord, every component of my life, every single thing that I'm about, Lord, I want to live my life. And this is Paul's primary prayer for the church at Corinth. I really want you to understand that you're not like a church. I don't know, maybe you are a church, but you're not like a church like you think of it where there's brick and mortar and infrastructure and all that. The body of Christ and, he, and I'll read the scripture in a few minutes. He is praying that we will be a dwelling place for the spirit of Christ. And so I'm praying that you'll know this, that you're like, you're like whole purpose of singing some songs today and being together today was to bump into some people that you've done life with for 30 years and who have been amplifying Jesus in magnanimous ways to see a group together praying and just see the supernatural reality of the presence and the spirit of God because that is normative in the body of Christ because all of life and everything we do is for his glory and his name. And so everything you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of the cross of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ so that the, spirit, so that the spirit of Christ is glorified in us. And so, so um, I want to speak this into the church at Mandarin and to the church at Corinth when, when I say these words. So an aim that we should have is to be a place of belonging. And I think this is the issue beneath all the issues. So the last four chapters, Paul's in wrestling with the church at Corinth about all kinds of craziness. And unless you've been like a follower of Jesus and in church for a little while, you would go, why are they struggling in that way? And then you go to church and go, oh, we kind of have these issues. And so our, our aim is to be a place for belonging or, or maybe a better word is I was thinking family ministry all through Friday and honestly all day yesterday. I was thinking that we're, we're to be a home. 
Like we're just to be, when someone just says, I can come here and be free and belong. And it just is beautiful and I love it. And so Paul's word for the church at Corinth, I've already hit this, so let me say it again, is to be a dwelling place. It's a place to rest. Like when you roll in, you just go, I am safe with these people. I can rest with these people. My soul is secure as I am with these people. Memories are going to be made. Like I touched on two big events in my life. If I sit and talk about my friends in the room and I get past Joe and Therese and look at all of you, I have thousands of stories with each one of you and I'm so thankful that's what home looks like. And I, I want to be at home with you and celebrate who Jesus is. So uh, I'll give you a moment to interact with me. When you think of the word home, what is a one word descriptive? So I'll give you five seconds and then say it again. Oh, y'all are like jumping it. I got it. So it's love. So when I say the word home, what's a one word descriptive? Love. Safety. Thank you. Peace is there. It's just, woo. Faith is there. Like in this faith community, we're, we're bringing one or two more. A journey. Man, that's a wise man that said that. This is my dad. He's awesome. <laughs> Home is this place where, like, where we just experience it. I, I think of home, and so I'm the, I, I'm the preacher, so I get to tell more than one word. And so I thought like three different ventures involving safety, security, love, belonging, um, rest. Those are, those are just, when we think home, we're thinking, Lord, how, how do we do this? How do we create a home where Jesus is always at home with us? And we're so at home with him. How do we create a place of safety and security? I think we could probably agree on this. That's desperately needed in our culture. I mean, when we exit the back door in the next few moments, we're going to walk into incredibly unsafe conditions where if we utter the wrong word or wrong issue or speak the wrong thing, we're not just, we're canceled. Like we're struggling. And so we're just, how do we create a home that is a home of belonging, sorting things out, wrestling with ourselves, wrestling with God. And that's normal. That's who we are. For me, home, like is when I cross a bridge just outside of Bluffton and I go over this bridge and land on this island in South Carolina, I'm just home. It's, it's the, and, and here's the one thing I would say. So this doesn't fit my sermon, but the one thing I would say to you is don't move to your like, your like happy place because it'll mess it up. And so, so right, like Hilton Head is just this happy place where it's been peaceful. It's been joyful. It's been intentional. It's been familial. It's been so many things. And, and, and literally the minute I hit the top of that bridge, every stress falls off. And then two weeks later, I start to drive the other direction. So there's something beautiful about that. My, my kids, and let me be really clear because I would embarrass the two of them, the, the bottom two, four and five. Um, my kids have created this space under the stairs that is so good in my house. And, and, uh, and it has, a, it has a, um, a book stand in it. It's got like this place that you can lay in. It's got, you can read in there. And, and it's hidden, like it's totally hidden. So it's been abandoned for quite a while. All the 
Number four is 18. That's so depressing. And the 14-year-old, it's been kind of abandoned, except, and I told the first service, and it's going to happen in just a second. So when I have this incredibly season of challenge, a rough day, I will go and hide in that place. (laughs) I will even, here and there, sleep there if it's been particularly stressful. And I have never told them this. So here you go, Susan, right now. I have never once said, that's where I'll be. I don't want to be found. It's secure. Everything outside, not secure. Everything going on, not secure. It's this quiet place. And it's almost like when I go in there, and this doesn't happen a lot, and now it's over. But when I go in there, it's like I, mom and dad, go back 50 years to the Naugahyde couch in the corner of my home where I was growing up as a kid. And as a little six-year-old through, as long as they would let me, I had this safety back there and a lamp and security. And I knew that I was okay. It's home. It's home. I wrote down one more and just just praying for this. I, I, I went with some of these guys and some others to Orange, and we ate Jesus chicken for lunch, which would be typical at a Christian gathering, right? And so I stand up, and I carry my bag, and I wonder if you saw this or not. I don't know, but I carry my bag, and I don't know why this happened, but um, we're eating lunch in the Real Life Church's Orlando's gym, and so I start to walk out with my trash, and I don't know why it grabbed my attention, but um, there's two goals going this way, and then the end goals in the main part of the gym, banners hanging on the wall, and, and I, I, I love basketball. And I immediately stood there, and I don't really know how long. I'm holding my bag in my hand, and I quite literally began to think about being on the perimeter as a two-guard. And um, I won't go into the details, but I started thinking about coaches. I started thinking about running around one end and moving around on the baseline, coming out where the forward would pick for me and catching the ball. And I am very confident that at some point I lifted up the bag and flicked my wrist. And then I went, you're Dude, that's been 30 years ago. You can walk out of the cafeteria now. But I'll tell you, like, the basketball court and whatever you grew up doing, it's home. It was safe. There were so many coaches that spoke life into me. Over years, there were so many friendships that I developed that I could bump into them now and just start talking about that. And it's, it's home. Home. And maybe the chief aim is to live every part of our lives as if we're at home in Jesus. And this is needful for us. And I think this is maybe more needful than at any point in my lifetime in this culture to be able to say there's a space where you will forge memories that will carry far past the first hour that you get together and the lunch that you do after, but will carry for decades and truly impact your life. And maybe the goal of the church is to live every part of our life as if we're at home for Christ and in Christ so that we can create home for others. I can't say that yet because that's the ending thought. So here we are in the middle. I brought this in um, with me often, so I'm not going to belabor it. If you've been here in this church for a little while, this is the symbolic Francis Chan eternity rope. And so I just like to think about home in this way. Even though eternity spans, and so this would symbolize us, it's got a little swagger to it this time. There's a little, you know, a little bit of a glitter. It's just kind of like this silver would symbolize your life. 
and, and, and us living in our life, if I took this rope, and I've done this before, so I'll just be short with it in this moment, but we are living like eternity, and we live in this, this small moment of time. We're like this wither, this movement, this, this wisping cloud that will be here for a moment and then spend an eternity here. And so we're just wrestling with this question like, Lord, how do I live here home in you, knowing that I am made for here, home in you. And it really feels weird and hard and challenging to, to sort out this sense of home when I'm made for this and this and this. And so if we could kind of acknowledge that there's a tension in this, that we're just sorting out with the Lord, like this doesn't make sense a lot of times. And so, and so, Lord, how do I make home in the midst of, of where I don't necessarily feel that I belong? And I think we sort this out, and I want to just read Scripture over this right now. And I've already alluded to this, but in 1 Corinthians 3.16, he looked at the church and said, I know that you know that you're made for something far more, but I want to remind you of this. And so I like the way he started don't you yourselves know? It's just such a great way. I, I think you know, but I think you know and forget. And I think you forget and then you know again. And so don't you know this? That you are God's dwelling place and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so as you're making your way through here, you're not only experiencing this richness of home in the one who has put on flesh and come to dwell among us, who has left the eternal and stepped into the temporal and is living moment by moment. This is what I have forged for you. You are the dwelling place as the church. So we should amplify our view of the church right now. We should amplify what we sense right now. If we're like daydreaming on our phone, we should set it to the side right now and start thinking about this. So Lord, you have placed this eternal reality and you are mobilizing it through Christ, through the church. And so you apparently have some significant expectations for your people. You, you, maybe even their unity is going to demonstrate your power. Maybe their wonder and your wonder among them will demonstrate to the world what it means to have a place of belonging. And so, can we live every part of our lives as if we're at home in Jesus, even as we're trying to sort out this Knowing we're made for this? Let's keep talking about this. I'm, I'm not sure that we know what Paul says. Don't you know? I think that's like, yeah, I'm not going to start running a joke and then that won't be funny and it's bad. In the, so, so know this. So he, just I want to walk through, and this, this for me is the why beneath the why. Why is... Corinth struggling so much with a sense of belonging. Let me, let me just put it out there. Why is Corinth struggling so much with the proper mentality toward food? Why are they struggling with what they should or should not drink? Why are they struggling with the sexual reality of the culture around them and how it's inundating their culture? Why, why are they struggling with 
importance and status in the, in the church. Why? Why are they wondering if Apollos or Paul or Cephas are, are the best? When Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm the best. <laughs> I'm, I'm the leader of the church. This, this isn't me. I'm, this is Jesus. I'm just an ambassador right now. I, Jesus, I am the leader of the church. You don't have to sort this out. I'm really at home with my church. And so they're just, they're just wrestling with this. And I think as we make our way and we're trying to live for something that is significant, we are asking this, like, how do we sort this out? And so I am going to go all the way back to the beginning. In the beginning, God made this garden and he called it the garden of, thank you. And it's incredible. It was beautiful. Everything was right. Every human need was met. Everyone in the garden felt safe. So safe that they could walk around naked and unashamed. It feels weird, right? But that was the garden. Like we're just, there's just such vulnerability among us that we literally know that we are guarded. We're safe. Our reputation is whole. The Lord is good. This is the garden. And there's this, it was perfect. Like it was the perfect home. And isn't it amazing how easily they traded it? More amazing and theological reality is their trade costs us greatly, according to Romans, that we are now, as a result of their trade, and wrestling, ironically, with the exact same things that the church at Corinth is wrestling with several thousand years later. What do we eat, Eve? What do we do? How do we approach this tree? What are we going to be about? And you know the story. I'm just not the point of the message. The point of the message is we were made. We were formed for this garden of purpose and passion and perfection in Christ. And we were made for a home. And if you can settle this truth in this reality, we were made for a home that was lost. And that's why this is incredibly difficult. So we're, we're joining with the narrative of the entirety of Scripture in the reclamation work of the beauty of the gospel. And that's why it's difficult. It was lost. What is fascinating about this account, so run with me right now. Now we're going from, listen, welcome to Bible with Mark. We're going from the beginning right back to the church at Corinth. So what's fascinating about this account is the bargaining chip for their soul is what they would eat. Everything is available. Every single thing is yours. All security, all peace, except this. So they woke up and decided to eat that. Paul has spent the vast majority of the last four to five chapters with a church about what they're eating. Can we just kind of nail this down that there's nothing new under the sun? And also that the church at Corinth is the church at Mandarin. And we're, we're standing in circles often, maybe, maybe in our own soul, because this is like rest for our soul. We're standing in moments of time asking the same questions the church at Corinth asked. How close can we get, or maybe even worse, we'll join Adam and Eve. How far can we walk across the line for the kingdom of glory and not pay a substantial price? as opposed to how do we settle in to this reality that the chief end of man and the chief end of the church is to make a home for Jesus. 
So we're kind of sitting in this going, Corinth is definitively, I'll give us off the hook for about two seconds. Corinth is sitting going, can we go this far with what we eat? Can we press this far with what we drink? How far in the culture can we go? And I think Paul is just kind of looking at him and saying, don't you know? Maybe, how about this question? Lord, how greatly can we glorify you? And I think Corinth, as well as the potential if we run that same path, are also losing their sense of home. So this, this is the DNA of Scripture. I won't belabor this, but I'll, I'll hit it really quickly. And my subheading is Build Wisely, and I'm not even sure, Garrett, I'm on subheadings right now. But we should... We should Build wisely for the sake of the Lord. Like, think about Abraham and this reclamation of home. Like, Abraham, God provided him land, had him stand in the night sky, and promised him something beautiful and glorious. And then he said, like, these words, like, I want you to count the stars, and my intriguing venture with Abraham in heaven one day will be, how long did it take you to tell the Lord, I don't know? I mean, what number did you get to? How much endurance did you have in this counting? Because you just kind of started picking up galaxies beyond galaxies. And the Lord just said, okay, you can stop now. I think you're, you've got the point. I am going to bless you and favor you. And I am going to allow you to taste what was lost as you're reclaiming Eden. This is the narrative of Scripture all the way through. He's saying this to the church at Corinth. Don't you know? You're the dwelling place of the Lord. You're the place where he is to feel most at home. David longed for home. Now let's face this. David was a hot mess. His family was blown up. David loved the Lord, and he could love Jesus wildly, and he could do some really wild things. And David wrote some things for us as we consider reclaiming Eden and just what it looks like. Like David wrote, um, one thing I seek, and this is what I ask, Lord, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I think that if you think about David a little like me sneaking in under my stairs, um, this is David. Like, Lord, I need safety from all of the things out there, Cam, all the things, but I need safety from myself. So I'm, I want to dwell beneath the stairs and better is one day in your courts than a thousand of the places of importance. It's the DNA of the body of Christ all throughout scripture. There's so many Old Testament realities. We've been all over Nehemiah. He's surely a passionate about his people and he longs for security. And Nehemiah comes on the scene and just creates structure and I, I love this. I just think he was creating a place of safety that they could experience Eden. The Lord is with us. We're breathing this in, if only for a moment. There are so many stories like Corinth. We're building as the body of Christ, as the people who are the dwelling place of Jesus. We're building with hope. And our role as the church is to reclaim home belonging. Think about this. 
Now you think about this in, in the reality of culture as you walk out the door and sit down in a restaurant and a server walks up. Lord, do we need safety, belonging, listening, empathy, compassion, care. This is our way. This is the body of Christ. This is who we are. And I think, I think, and I want to move past because I'm actually ironically going to this place in just a moment. But I think we're still pursuing it. Probably a lot of us, probably in fairness, all of us in certain ways, in the same way as Corinth. We're trying to gain home, but really unsure how. And so uh, like a, a great example, I, Saturday I started jotting this out, but I'm going to leave here and go to TIAA Bank Field. So at the Jaguars facility, they've built pools for us. Seriously. Like I was with John Turner in the pool two weeks ago, maybe three. I don't remember. It was really frightening. I'm trying to forget that with John. So I was, I was, I was in, the, in the stadium. So maybe those of you that are guests are not football fans or sports ball people. So in the stadium, there are two pools. It's crazy, right? You can bring your pet with you. Right, you could go to pet paradise. It's amazing. It's like heaven. Pet paradise. And so, I mean, it's a TIA Bank, I think, I, let me add one or two things to this. And so um, I jotted down thoughts as I was walking through about TIA Bank Field. And uh, so um, they'll supply you, John Mark, with limitless Coke and burgers. And we don't partake of the other things that a lot of the fans are because they can't make their way out. So they'll supply you with limitless Coke and burgers for one third of your annual income. And so here's what I think they're trying to accomplish. And, and, and you can take this and joke about it and then start going, oh, wow. But I think they're trying to create a place of home and belonging. Now, the Jags messed that up. They just kind of ruin it. But I think that they're trying to say, if you'll come here for three or four hours, you have nothing to worry about. And I think that's the risk of the typical follower of Jesus. We'll venture into virtual worlds seeking belonging and need, and it will never be found. We'll walk into a stadium and our heart will be broken three hours later, and it never matters. I could illustrate this on and on. Our whole culture is trying to consider and create a place of belonging, and we're the only people in the culture that have it, and it is because we're the dwelling place of the ultimate one who creates belonging. Woo! Man, what a great thing to be a part of the church. What a beautiful thing. This is, this is the plan. Jesus has this plan on earth to just release the church. And I, I, this, is, this is when I wrote this uh, as I was preparing for Night of Thanks. And so I'm giving it away at this moment. But we're God's beautiful idea. Like we as the body of Christ are his beautiful idea. Here's what he says. He says, everything is permissible in 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24, but everything isn't beneficial. 
Everything's permissible. My everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good. We are here as a body of Christ, not asking the question, how far can I go? How can I find belonging? Scurrying, trying to find it. We have already found it. His name is Jesus. And we are now here to demonstrate that life for others. And the why behind the why of Corinth is this. I don't know that you have found your deepest satisfaction in Jesus. And so thus, you're trying to be the first and most important church. Or so thus, you're trying to eat these things so that you can connect with your culture. Or so thus, you're dialing in hoping that 37 people will like what you just posted today. Or so thus, you are drinking with them or lying in their bed and you still wake up on a consistent basis, church at Corinth, with no sense of belonging. And there's a reason his name is Jesus. And he loves you. And his big idea is to gather these outposts, this called out, this beautiful people who are gathering in the tension of all of the things that we're experiencing and demonstrating for the world what it means to be a place of belonging. As we're reading together in uh, the Psalms and we're making our way through, one of the words that just keeps jumping out, and Matt was even praying this over us and speaking it at some point this week, is that, that it's not really that I'm like, this is really my narcissism playing out beautifully in this illustration. I actually think I'm the front end of the story and the rest of eternity plays out after I live. This is Mark Siegel's illustration. The reality of where we are is this, that we're living in the messy middle of all the things and we're sorting this out. But scripture says this, that our God is from eternity to eternity. And as we're living in the midst of this, we're living moment to moment, moment by moment for his glory. But we glance back and we're looking at the eternal nature of our Father. We glance forward and we're looking at the eternal nature of our Father. We glance inward and we're experiencing the eternal nature of our Father. And we're in a bit of a mystery. We're just simply saying, Lord, by moment by moment, would you help me to flesh this out? Would you send some people who 31 years from now will show up, but they have helped me along the path? Would you allow me to be one of those people? Would you journey with me? And here's what it says, though, that's so powerful. Not just that we live eternity to eternity and we live in the middle of it moment by moment, but we live in it with the faithful, unfailing love of God in Christ. We live as a people who are experiencing the unfailing, faithful love of God in Christ. And the Lord looks in and says, of the church, and this is why, this is the why Paul is so chastising to them over marriage, over relationships, over hierarchy, over importance. He would just say, all of that is in submission to the King of glory. All of what you think you want to eat today is in submission to the King of glory. Would you just ask this question, Lord, would you be glorified in it? And, and, and Lord, will others be built up into security and safety and belonging and being known in this? Then I'm in. But if I'm scratching the line, hoping I don't push myself over it, I'm probably a stumbling block. And people are falling all over me. And Paul was so, he was so prophetic and passionate to the church at Corinth. And I think he is to the church at Mandarin. 
we're building God's beautiful idea so that others can have a glimpse of home. We are, and we are ongoing building God's beautiful idea so that we, as well as others, can have this glimpse and experience of what it means to be at home. I don't say this capriciously. Think about what Jesus said in the model prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed and beautiful be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. If you can finish that phrase, would you finish it with me? On earth, as it is in heaven. This is the modeled prayer of the call to God's people to be an outpost of his glory, his safety, his security. So I close. I don't think I've read the scripture yet, so here's the invitation. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10, 33 through 11, 1. This is kind of maybe why he's writing a letter of passion and longing for the church. He says, also try to please everyone. Listen to this. If I could just create a culture of belonging, I want to please everyone. I don't seek my own benefit. I seek the benefit of many, and here's why, so that they may be saved. Whew. Imitate me. Come and belong with me. Follow me as I pursue the heart of Christ. And in doing so, we will reclaim Eden, the glory. Amen. Thank you again for listening in to what God is doing here at Mandarin. We hope this is just the beginning to the gospel conversations we have and will share in through our weeks. We never want this to be the end of what God is doing, but just another launching pad for His glory and renown to be central in our lives and relationships. Again, we would love to help you take your next step of faith, possibly here with us as part of our Mandarin Faith family. You can visit us online at mandarinbaptist.org and facebook.com slash mandarinbaptistchurch to see what your next step of faith could be. We thank you again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.